This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Three great words. Free fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 1231.24. Excludes tax must update to rewards. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, and a warm welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and leading TV critic, Rihanna Dillon, who's just been very horrible about my cold, so I don't know why I'm introducing her in anything like an upbeat and supportive way. I was just really enjoying the way you blew your nose just then. Yeah, okay, well, at least I've done it. Uh, What are we covering this week, then? (laughs) We've got Anatomy of a Scandal, starring Sienna Miller and Rupert Friend. There's a whole new season of SAS, Who Dares Wins. Yes, Sean Dooley is back with his VO. <laughs> he is the voiceover king. We can't let the insane TV show Is It Cake pass without a mention. And one that I've been waiting for, yeah. as have you, yes. is the new series of Dairy Girls, which I think was the most thrilling thing to appear on my screen this week. I love Dairy Girls and thank goodness they're back. Plus, we do have some of Patrick Keelty's interview with the creator of Dairy Girls, uh, the writer Lisa McGee. And if that isn't enough, I have been talking to Lucy Boynton, who plays Lady Frances Frankie Derwent in a new adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel Why Didn't They Ask Evans it's been adapted by Hugh Laurie and it has a massively star-studded cast including the likes of Jim Broadbent and Emma Thompson and Will Porter I asked Lucy how filming was for her especially the bits she did on horseback a lot of fun actually and I thankfully had a very docile horse on the day because that was I mean it's a lot of dialogue happening while just seemingly casually atop a horse and kind of halfway through a take Waterloo my my horse would kind of start to wander off which was a a great you know impetus to keep the scene more lively and and make the next take more interesting. I think riding is really hard I think acting is really hard to act on a horse must be really really difficult. It's all about being a horse actor. 
That's tough too, isn't it? Now, you have been mingling again with the stars because you've been involved with, it's Abby Morgan's new, well, it's a new series of her hit show, The Split. Oh, The Split is so good. So I it first came onto our screens in 2018 and it is back on our screens. You can go and watch it now on the iPlayer, all four episodes. So we've had the sort of affair, The Split, and now The Divorce. So Nicola Walker and Stephen Mangan are Hannah and Nathan, who I think it's fair to say have had their fair share of drama. Are they lawyers? I haven't seen this show. Yes, they are lawyers. They're sort of, they're family lawyers. Um, And there is still so much love between them, so much history and so much pain. And I just think the series does such a wonderful job of giving you the whole spectrum of experience. Yeah, it's not as simple as hating someone just because they had an affair, which we're going to... Who had an affair? Well, both of them. Oh, but they're not all kind of hateful characters because you see it all from different perspectives. And, and it's definitely worth kind of watching a recap of series one and two. Um, but yeah, if you're enjoying The Split, let us know at okay. Radio Times. That's a BBC show, of course, available on the iPlayer. Let's cut to the reviews. The first up then this week is Anatomy of a Scandal. It starts on Netflix on the 15th of April. And here's a clip for you. It was just sex. Nothing's just sex. There's more. You're not telling me just to tell me. To unburden yourself. The story's about to break. Sometimes I think I'm partly to blame. I let things slide. Making this right is all I care about. I didn't question little things when I should have. Won't your wife be wondering where you are? She trusts me. But little things add up. Me. A clip from Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix. This is an adaptation of a novel I remembered I'd read uh, at some point (laughs) during the first episode by Sarah Vaughan. Um, Tell us, what is it about, Rihanna? So Sienna Miller and Rupert Friend, who you heard there, star as like a politician and his wife. He's, He's kind of like the you know, the young star of the Tory party, um, who are involved in a sex scandal. Well, she isn't. He's had an affair. He's had an affair and then he's accused of rape. And I sort of feel that there is so much around to do with sleazy or corrupt politicians that it makes something like this, which is supposed to be weirdly glossy escapism, just too close to the bone. Well, it all goes back, as lots of things appear to, to university days mm. and to things that went on. It does unravel over the course of the of the of the episodes. This I have to say, I enjoyed it. I think a lot more than you, mm. partly because I realised I'd read the book and I kind <laughs> of knew what was coming, yeah. and so I relaxed into it. And mm. I and there are some good performances here. I think Sienna Miller is is good. I think she's a good actress actually. She's a good actress. Um, Rupert Friend is is you know plays the slightly Rupert well, Friend is in it. Yes, yes, and he <laughs> he's cast as a sleazy conservative MP. He is a conservative MP. I think they make that oh yeah they say fairly clear, don't they? Yeah. yeah, it is about the shared history between. Rupert Friend's character and the Prime Minister, who was a university friend. Oh, sounding very familiar, isn't it? It's the 
private members' clubs. We're the not, Bullingdon Club. The Bullingdon Club. And there have been, there've been plays about this sort of Posh thing. Posh was the play yeah, and then the Riot it. Club was the film, film of the play yeah. of the real life club. <laughs> yes. And very well, I mean, this is a sort of... And this is the TV series. And this of is, the, yeah, this is the glossy TV series <laughs> of the film of the original stage play based on real life experiences of the people who now govern us when they were at university together. In case anybody's not sure, these clubs are sort of debauched drinking clubs for very well-connected young people. Yes. Well, young white men often. Yeah. And and it's often the young waitresses who have to serve them that become sort of like their playthings during these events. That's how it's been portrayed on stage and screen. Yeah. At least. Yes. Um, it contains some, I thought, some sort of slight odd errors, this. I mean... Their representation of the House of Commons is one of the worst I think I've ever seen in television. <laughs> They've sort of tarted up a village hall. That's what it, that's what it looks like. It, it isn't... Did you get that? I mean, it didn't look anything like the House of Commons, did it? Do you know what? I don't think I was even looking at the setting. I think I was just wondering okay. what I was doing here. Uh, well, I, I wasn't impressed by that. And then also, uh, Michelle Dockery plays a barrister. Who you'll know from Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And she's a highly successful actress. She gets the sort of papers about the court case involving the politician played by Rupert Friend Mm -hmm. before the police have even questioned (laughs) Rupert Friend. Now, it may be that this isn't a kind of linear Mm. representation of what went on. I don't know. I'm afraid I got a bit lost by that. But that did seem a bit odd. The, The trouble with doing things like this, which are delving into the lawyer side and then the House of Commons side, Yeah, we've been to all of these different settings before and as you say they've just been done so much better before like Silk is such a great show about lawyers and about a different slant on scandal and that sort of thing it is genuinely trying to be a bit different so for example when they get news or like they get a a verbal slap to the face or whatever they sort of fall yes. in a really dramatic it's like they've been punched in the chest and suddenly they fall to the ground in slow motion it's obviously supposed didn't to represent like it didn't come up enough to be a thing okay. and so it just felt quite random do you think there's been a so mistake yeah. <laughs> it's like someone's been matched um so sj clarkson directed this and she directed mistresses years ago which i absolutely loved she's been involved in succession life on mars bad girls uh, loads and loads and loads of different series so she's obviously incre- an incredibly accomplished director so, which makes me think actually I feel like maybe the errors for me were in the writing more than the direction okay I, I actually think this will be quite a hit because I think it's perfect uh, mid-range viewing yeah, for, mid-range. I mean, but frankly for people like me I, I, I mean I will finish this and mm. I've, I've watched three episodes already on, on preview which we're very fortunate to be able to see she says <laughs> gratefully uh, and I no I'm sorry I think this is alright yes. I think you're being a little bit harsh okay so I really like Naomi Scott who played Jasmine in Aladdin so she is the woman that uh, has an affair and accuses Rupert Friend's character of rape yeah so I might watch to see because I think those scenes were actually much more believable I <laughs> I am definitely the affair rather than the marriage. Okay, I am definitely going to finish it because I want to see the right resolution to this. Mm. Okay, um, that is Anatomy of a Scandal. Eight out of ten from me, and Rihanna isn't quite as convinced. Four. Oh, God, I think that's really unfair. <laughs> 
just to see the look on your face. It drops on Netflix on the 15th of April. I should say the Radio Times magazine is much more in keeping with my assessment of anatomy of a scandal because <laughs> they've put the show on the cover of this week's edition uh, with a great photograph, actually, of uh, Michelle Dockery and Naomi Scott and Sienna Miller. And the headline is just scandal. Get oh. that? Great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, that is a great cover. I, li- I do like seeing three women on the cover of anything. It's, it's very, very good, yes. So um, are you going to change your view of anatomy? Absolutely not. No, no OK. Uh, that's the cover of this week's Radio Times magazine in all good shops today. Next up, a show that I think everyone absolutely adores. Derry Girls is back. It starts on Channel 4, the 12th of April at a quarter past nine. Uh, Derry Girls is a sitcom inspired by Lisa McGee's experiences growing up in Derry, Northern Ireland, during what turned out to be the final years of the Troubles back in the 1990s. Now, let's listen before we chat about it to comedian and presenter Patrick Keelty, who talked to the show's creator, Lisa McGee, for the Radio Times magazine. Talk me through state of mind, Lisa McGee, how you feeling? Clearly, there has to be some sense of two smash hit series. The third one is just going to kind of run itself. You know, nothing's really guaranteed. I think it's actually harder because you want to kind of keep the audience you have interested and keep surprising them. And it was an incredibly tough shoot with COVID and lots of different things. So I can't quite believe we're finally ready to show it to the world. How much more pressure have you put on yourself knowing that this is almost the third act of these girls' lives? I felt massive pressure, particularly about how we end it. We take it right up to the Good Friday Agreement. So dealing with that is such an important thing for Northern Irish people. There's such weight and attached to it. And, but to try and do it on a comedy, you know, it, w- it was a, a balance. And I think I nearly didn't do it a few times. I'm still very, very nervous about it. Everyone that's seen it so far thinks I've handled it well. So, but you just never know. I think one of the things which for me has made this series all two or two and and three so special is that you have these amazing moments of comedy, but then you undercut it with these really emotional sucker punches that you're just not expecting. And see the moment you even said Good Friday Agreement, I'm sitting going, oh my God, I need to see how she does this. I, I want to see the heart that you put into Derry Girls for that moment of Northern Ireland. Feels like the right place to end, doesn't it? It still never, Patty, fails to amaze me that it happened. What an achievement. And it it was ordinary people and people, you know, like yourself, who have had it really on their their doorstep and their lives, who've had horrific things happen to them, having to make um, a decision for the people that come after them that isn't based on hurt or pain or fear, you know, and I... I just feel so proud of us as a country when I, when I think about what way we voted that day. As a people, we handle everything <laughs> through comedy. And, and I think sometimes you can reach the truth through humour more effectively than any other way. When you come from Northern Ireland, the word Northern Ireland has bad news connotations. So to write something set in your home city to come with a Northern Irish voice, the fear of you're going to let that out and is anybody going to be interested? When was the moment where you went, 
oh my God, not just anybody, the whole world here thinks this is wow. The night it went out was quite interesting and you expect, particularly with comedy, for it to build and um, you don't really have overnight hits really. So that's what we were planning. We were hoping it was going to get enough excitement around it to be a show that would get word of mouth in and then a bill. For some reason, a lot of people watched that first one. I, 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 remember, I remember watching that in Derry. Oh my God. <laughs> Weirdly, I think... I knew that Derry loved this probably before you did. Oh my God, yeah, that's nuts. And and so it's a real balance, I think, between for you doing something universal, but how important was it for the people of Derry to love what you'd done? I was always very worried about that and and I think careful with it because I know what they're like. You know what they're like as well. (laughs) They're not. They really, really would just tell you what they thought. Yeah, it was it was always in the back of, of my mind. But, but I think if you're kind of truthful, it's fine. Lisa McGee, uh, the creator of the fantastic Dairy Girls, talking to Patrick Keelty. OK, um, we have had a sneak peek of the first episode of Dairy Girls. Uh, it probably wasn't the best episode of it, if I could be in any way, but I know. Uh, and it contains... We're not allowed to say who, but there's a special guest appearance, isn't there? There is. I, I thought it was he- as hilarious as oh, it I ever lo- has Oh, look, been. I love it. Because there's not actually that much brilliant comedy on television, no. let's be honest. And it's head and shoulders above 99% of the rest of it. It really is. Yeah. Um, are we allowed to even say... Well, let, if maybe there's someone listening who's never seen it. Set it up for everyone. Well, it's just about a group of four girls in a... And a boy. <laughs> and a boy. <laughs> Poor James. <laughs> I always I love the fact that it's not really referenced except once or twice an episode that he's at a girls' conference yeah, so, school. It's so funny, and he's there because his it's his cousin's school, isn't it? And yes, his mum has been has like sort of dropped him off and left left him with his Irish cousin, and he's just, English. She just never came back for him. They hate him because he's male and English, but there have been some really touching moments along the way yeah. with James sort of being initiated into this group. So in this one, they are about to get their GCSE yeah, results their GCSE. which is which, which let's is, face it considering some of them are in their 30s is uh, <laughs> a bit of a stretch but I know they're not in their 30s but they are certainly too old they're, to they're older GCSE. than 16 years old yes it's true they, so they basically they can't wait to get their GCSE results as in they're not excited they're terrified yeah. they need to get them earlier so they break into their school so, which you shouldn't do should you you shouldn't do that no no um I think we're just so used to seeing all of their idiosyncrasies by now and they are such a brilliant cast they all work so well together it's been quite interesting to see how some of them have gone on to do quite big shows so for example Nicola Coughlin has obviously gone on to do Bridgerton Jamie Lee O'Donnell who plays Michelle went on to do Screw which is a Channel 4 um comedy drama that we reviewed quite recently my favorite is Orla Orla is I think because I just I always love watching her so she's played Louisa Harland she doesn't have the most to say but whatever she's doing in the background is amazing it catches your eye yes Yes. and if you go back and watch Derry Girls again it's just always just to have an eye on Orla and like whatever she's up to it's always at odds with with what the well, rest well, of the girls are doing. Yes. Why can't there be more comedy like this with I characters know. you're invested in and people you care about? And it's really, and like you said, heartwarming. It's it's yeah. so joyful and silly and it's not 
not there's no nastiness to it. And yeah. it, and of course we are talking about an incredibly tumultuous time yes. in Irish history. And to kind of find the humour in that I just think is so it's it's such a talent. Yeah. By Actually, Lisa McGee. We should say that this episode there's a news clip of uh, the late Mo Molan, the Labour Northern Ireland secretary mm. at the time, who actually I hadn't quite forgotten about, but it's good to be reminded of the part that she played in actually lit- quite literally banging heads together <laughs> and bringing about the beginning of the end of the troubles in Northern Ireland. And yeah. I know lots of other people take credit. John Major, the Tory Prime Minister before, Tony Blair, yes, all lots of commitment from all sorts of politicians. But yeah. um, it was good to be reminded of, of her contribution. It's just a... I don't know. If you don't like Derry Girls, there's something wrong with you. But, <laughs> no, I mean, there, there, there really is, I think. But there's the nostalgia aspect yeah. as well, the because music. it's the 90s. The music is yeah. so good. We kind of played out to the Cranberries each week. Oh, gosh. If you're a fan, I think you'll absolutely love it and be delighted that it's back and devastated that it's the last series. Yeah, and if you're not a fan, have a word with yourself. <laughs> uh, so that's Derry Girls. Starts on Channel 4, 12th of April at a quarter past nine. I have to say, I discovered Derry Girls in the first lockdown right. and watched all of it. And it was one of those things I found it... I used to round every day off with another little drip feed oh, that's episode lovely. of Derry Girls. A treat. And, yeah, it was a proper treat. Yeah. And I'm really jealous of people who haven't seen any of it. So <laughs> if that's you, you have got a lot to look forward to. Okay, coming up, two shows that ask lots of questions. There's a new adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, Why Didn't They Ask Evans? That's on BritBox. And on Netflix, a show called Is It Cake? (laughs) Which question would you like to know the answer to more? More more invested in Evans, (laughs) if I'm honest. I mean, the Netflix thing, well, we'll talk about it later. Um, Now, back on Channel 4, 10th of April, 9 o'clock, SAS... Who dares wins? Now, for years, I've been thinking about joining the SAS. No, you... But, I, but after watching this... <laughs> I thought you were serious. I've decided to rule it out. Here's a clip. This is a combination of the best fighting forces in the world. Let's go! I pride myself in being hard to kill. Go, go! I want the recruits to learn through pain. The desert is probably the most dangerous environment on the planet. It's scary. The campaign starts now to get Jane Garvey on Celebrity (laughs) SAS. Don't campaign too hard. This show is now in its seventh series. I find that unbelievable and it means people are watching it. Which is even more unbelievable. (laughs) It was was a first for me, and I don't think I'll be bothering to watch it again, which isn't to say that there wasn't some stuff to enjoy, because it is astonishing what people are prepared to go through Mm. to get on telly. Uh, Because (laughs) lest you forget, these people have volunteered to do this. Um, Just take us through it. What is SAS Who Dares Win? Well, it's exactly... I guess what it sounds like, it's people who are go under sort of intensive... It's not even really training, I suppose it is, by men who've been in the SAS. Well, they haven't, actually. That was the interesting thing. Oh, so, have they not? Well, I mean, the For guy... For God's sake, I feel uh, lied to. Oh, uh, well, Rudy, who's yes. like the chief shouter, who's a, um, a muscle-bound American gentleman, mm. uh, I would guess in his late 30s, looks incredible in an all-black outfit. He's yeah. got incredible... Let's be honest, the guy's extraordinarily fit. Stacked, yeah. Uh, but he's American, so he may have been in But some, he's American. So. Yeah, well, he's not been in the British SAS. He may have been in some sort of American... Well, he talks about all of the tours that he's done. Yeah, OK. And they uh, talk about, I don't know, the way that they talk about war and killing and everything it you know it, it is glamorizing it i think the, the whole point of this show and the reason why it's got people on is because it's sort of supposed to be this slightly 
glamorous idea. I don't mean glamorous in terms of everyone looks incredible, but the idea of, oh, this is an amazing thing to put yourself Self through. through. Yes. It's good for you. It's good for everyone in your life. I don't, I don't agree with any of that. No. And I think with the real thing playing out, not that in re- far exactly. from us at the moment, maybe this makes this show a more difficult watch this year than it might have been last year. Possibly. The, the things they're asked to do, you know, face down in the dirt. Going into a gas chamber, I'm sorry, yeah. that was one of the hardest things was to a, watch. a chemical warfare yes. challenge. They put them in hazmat suits and masks, put them in, in this room, fill it with gas, and then make them take their masks off. And these people are kind of running around like headless chickens trying to get out. They barge through a window and fly through and barrel through and they're kind of vomiting and crying and this guy just walks past and he's like, keep it down, he says. Yeah, I think there were times when I was asking myself why would any member of the public choose to take part in a show set in the in the searing heat of the Jordanian desert? Yeah. Uh, do you and, think it takes advantage of well, quite vulnerable people? Well, that's the thing, because you do uncover or we discover during the course of the show some of the contestants' backstories. Yeah. So many of them had had miserable childhoods yeah. and, and been through a lot of challenges. And, yeah, I think that's it, really, for me. If they're going to go into those aspects of people's lives, they take them with a sack over their head into a room where they're supposed to be interrogated by these men. And they do ask them about their childhoods and they do reveal very personal quite horrific traumatic things that have happened in their lives and then they almost start this therapy session and suddenly this sack is thrown unceremoniously back onto their heads and they're dragged dragged out i didn't get that and i just felt like that whole idea of breaking somebody down to build them back up again i just i mean this is me coming from a very different world admittedly it's not a world that i know well you've done some q a's with some pretty tough celebrities over the years haven't you But those scenes really did feel like they were exploiting the contestants who, you know, might not have quite realised how much of the emotional side was going to be um, brought to the surface. Clearly it's got an audience. Quite a big one. Do you know what? I thought that there would have been some really fun aspects of this in terms of the physical challenges. Mm. And, you know, when they're walking a tightrope across a ravine, all of that is is quite interesting to see how they deal with that. But I think the editing of this was really weird. It was like it was trying to go through so much stuff so quickly that we didn't really get a chance to see how well people were doing. Well, also, there are 20 different participants, aren't there? Yes. 10 women, 10 men. Which is a lot. It is a lot. So you can't actually grasp who anybody is. No. see all of them attempting that that type no. rope over the ravine which um, is fair enough because 20 people that would be quite, that would be quite dull would be dull but, yeah. it, but equally i just feel like it moves away it moves the camera away before you have a chance to hear the conversations that they're having yeah it in itself is walking that weird tightrope between being some sort of social experiment and a reality tv show and the physical versus the mental challenges and it's just i think it's spread itself too thin for us to really invest at any point well, OK, I'm afraid I just didn't like it. That's not just because I'm clearly unsuited to the rigours of <laughs> any sort of special forces training. That is SAS, Who Dares Wins, Channel 4, the 10th of April at 9 o'clock. If you like it, I guess you'll like it. 
Right, now there's a... I mean, who doesn't want another Agatha Christie? This is Why Didn't They Ask Evans. It's been adapted by Hugh Laurie with a stellar cast. It's on BritBox from the 14th of April. All three episodes will be there for you then. Before we talk about it, here's a clip followed by a conversation I had with the actress Lucy Boynton. The man spoke his last words to you. That's a bond. I was trying to work out what had happened. How exciting. I wish you luck. Did you say someone tried to poison me? Do you mean to tell me that you cannot remember? Begins loose and deduce and hypothesize. You caused quite a stir in the village. Oh, that's how I like my villagers. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to help. It's too late. Can you believe her? Yes, I believe her. Pretty. She's frightened. She's pretty frightened. That was a clip from Agatha Christie's Why Didn't They Ask Evans? And with me now is one of the stars of the series. It's Lucy Boynton. Lucy, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, you play Lady Frances Derwent. And um, you're, well, you're quite a, you're quite a high-spirited gal, aren't you, in this, uh, in this Agatha Christie? Do you like that sort of role? Or are you happier playing slightly darker parts? What would you say about that? I think I've always said that I've really gravitated towards darker roles. There's something I find really interesting, um, especially in female characters, about exploring a certain darkness. I think it always indicates a probably a very interesting plot unravelling. But so Frankie was kind of my first venture back into something more light in a way or high spirited and I just loved it I uh, have a kind of ear to ear grin every time I get to talk about Evans and Frankie and this is not your first Agatha Christie is it because you did Murder on the Orient Express that was the Kenneth Branagh version of that Agatha Christie is astonishing isn't she she's still I don't know people still want to watch this stuff they really do well, apparently, and I was just revisiting my uh, my notes from Orient Express days as well, and second to the Bible and Shakespeare, she's the most published author. So I guess, yeah, that tells us that we, we are uh, definitely craving some Christie. I think the thing that's so kind of appealing about her work is that we're always intrigued by these kind of whodunits and mysteries but with hers you're always very much at the mercy of her storytelling she's always two steps ahead of you and creates and you're always following incredibly intelligent well-informed characters which I think makes the whole experience much more kind of fulfilling so you're really kind of on the edge of your seat. There's a bit of a, a class thing going on, isn't there? Because you're playing opposite Will Poulter, isn't it? Will Poulter plays Bobby Jones, who's the vicar's son. And there is a sort of there's a class difference between the two of you, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's an interesting kind of insight into that because they're reuniting for the first time since childhood. They grew up together. And I think therefore... Um, at least Frankie did, I think, had a very sheltered perspective of that kind of that difference between their lives. And then as they are reintroduced as adults, it's something that Bobby is very aware of. And I think Frankie is too, but is much more eager to kind of skip over it and not have that be a, a kind of boulder in the way of them reigniting this relationship and friendship. Yes, I, mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you get together and you attempt to solve the murder, don't you? Yeah, and and that's kind of, I think Bobby would be happy to just kind of leave it to the professionals and Frankie being the kind of firework uh, that she is cajoles him. Right, and um, are you, you do ride a horse in this. Can you ride? 
as an actor, it's my duty to say yes, of course I can. Um, okay, and then cross good. that bridge when I come to it. But I had to, yeah, <laughs> I had to <laughs> take lessons in preparation for this, which is interesting. A lot of fun, actually. And I thankfully had a very docile horse on the day because that was, right. I mean, it's a lot of dialogue happening while just seemingly casually atop a horse and kind of halfway through a take Waterloo my my horse would kind of start to wander off which was a, a great you know impetus to keep the scene more lively and and make the next take more interesting yeah you had me fooled I thought you're an extraordinarily competent horsewoman based on that. based on what I saw I so congratulations that. now you're also in the Ipcrest file at the moment as well which a lot of people will have loved and that's an interesting part because what's so frustrating is that your family they think you're essentially an office girl, don't they? I'm not even sure they think you think you make the tea, basically, don't they? And you're not. You're you're rather high up in the in the secret service. Yeah, I think they barely kind of entertain what her day to day at work must be because they assume it's so kind of nothing and worth dismissing. And in fact, she's on the forefront, the kind of front line of of. British politics and world politics, which is such a thrill to get to try and wrangle, yeah, how to play that double life. It's interesting, isn't it? Because your your next project is, I think you're playing Marianne Faithful, which, um, I mean, she's a name, if I'm honest, even if you're my age, you know the name, but you don't really know why, except that you know she's notorious or was notorious. What What intrigues you about Marianne Faithful? I think it is that kind of that gap between the way that she's been presented and kind of portrayed by the media versus who she is and who she's constantly been yelling to us that she is. She's always been incredibly authentic to herself. But I think it speaks to the kind of the media at the time and clearly continues now of how she was kind of suitable for a role they wanted to cast her in and so that was very hard for her to get out of an escape and especially in that era she was very it was easier to cast her as the girlfriend of and dismiss her in her own right that was actually what was really interesting also about Ipcris being set in the 60s as well and kind of we do look at that era I think as such an era of like female liberation and yet when you actually look at the tangible kind of day-to-day for characters like Jean that definitely wasn't in practice and that was what was so fascinating about trying to navigate that character because she's working in a very male-dominated environment and has to operate in a very different way to her male colleagues and kind of and navigate a completely different landscape. And I've now got to shoehorn in a question, <laughs> you're going to love this, about your boyfriend who is um, Remy, Remy Malik. And um, you met him, actually, when when I suppose you were playing... Well, she wasn't quite his girlfriend, except she was, Mary Austin in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and he was Freddie and you were Mary. And that was... Um, well, tell me a little bit about how you approached that, because that's an interesting part, and it was an amazingly successful film. It was, and, and it was such an interesting role, because I think it is very undefined what or hard to box Mm. uh, what their relationship was. And that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable not being able to immediately label um, that relationship in a traditional way. And, And so it was kind of beautiful releasing ourselves from that and trying to see it in the way that Freddie and Mary did, just kind of someone that you have absolute love for and just want them to succeed and be well and be themselves in a world where you're also trying to wrangle what your private life is versus public life 
when again similar to Marianne you're constantly having this external force telling you what your public life is and telling you who you are um, and so in the midst of that storm at the eye of the storm was Freddie and Mary. And can I ask you as we're talking in the week of the Oscars have you got a hot take on what happened at the Oscars? Oh my god I don't. Or any kind I don't, of take. And I wouldn't dare comment I think we're all kind of yeah unraveling that very I don't know personal thing that was very public okay um, Lucy apart from Marianne Faithful what else is, is next for you after because obviously you made presumably you made why didn't they ask Evans quite some we time we did ago. we made it last summer and then I went straight on to this movie called Chevalier in which I played Marianne Antoinette um which was fun to have done Frankie just before, actually, because, and I always talk about the sequence that these happened in, so I don't think I could have found Frankie in the way yeah. that I did, having not done Jean before. And then Frankie was very informative for Marie Antoinette because of Frankie's kind of electricity and uh, effervescence. <laughs> so that was very helpful. And then after that, right. I went in the complete other direction and did a movie called The Pale Blue Eye, which is directed by Scott Cooper and stars Christian Bale. And that is uh, uh, set in the 1800s oh, wow. in a gothic horror murder mystery. So back in the world of murder, but in a much darker tone than Agatha Christie. Less safe. That's Lucy Boynton, Marie Antoinette. Can you imagine that? I can't. No. Well, she's playing Marie Antoinette. And did you say Marie Antoinette? And Marie well? Faithful. Now, Marie Faithful is like a, a pet project for her. She's really keen to to play or to make sure that there is a film about Marie Faithful. I feel like this that is more her sort of role. Actually, that's mm. slightly more ethereal. That hasn't started yet, but that's something she wants to yeah. do. Uh, Lucy Boynton plays Lady Frances. Frankie Derwent yeah. in this Agatha Christie Why Didn't They Ask Evans adaptation on Britbox. You love Agatha Christie and I guess you love this. Well, <laughs> you know, it's... I think Will Poulter oh, made like, this for me. got a thing about Will Poulter. I love though. Will Poulter. He is brilliant no. and he's so charming and sweet and lovely and adorable. He's just great. Uh, he was in Dope Sick, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And I have to say... It does show his. He's got a range, this lad, because I would not have associated this character, Bobby Jones, in this Agatha Christie, with the character he played in Dope And of course, he was in a film called Detroit, where he plays an incredibly racist, horrible cop. And he was in Son of Rambo. And how lovely was that film as well? And I know Will Porter is always going to have Son of Rambo as like his. Everyone always bangs on his about it. Car. But it was just such a great intro for us to see. What he, his kind of potential at such a young age. Yeah, he is a young British actor, we should say. So he's not he, yet thirty. Not yet thirty. I mean, he's re- he really is somebody who can do all sorts of different roles. I mean, I, I know it's a sort of superficial thing, but the the costumes, the clothes are great in this. I uh, do. I you know, I am incredibly British when it comes to period dramas, and I'm really happy yeah. to just sit and watch men in tweed and rolled up Hats. sleeves and oh yeah Agatha Christie is a phenomenon clearly mm. and she's not around to hear me praise her for that <laughs> I'm sure she'll be devastated um and there is definitely still an audience for this sort of cozy crime yes I guess I just feel really more Agatha Christie I get that of course I totally understand that and I would be saying it as well if I hadn't enjoyed it quite as much okay. I think also in this is somebody who we were discussing a couple of weeks ago because he's in holding Conleth Hill who I think we've talked about him three times he was also in Magpie Murders <laughs> and as you talked about earlier Hugh Laurie adapted it and has a small role um, also Daniel Ings who if you've ever seen Love Sick. Uh, on Netflix, which is a brilliant kind of rom-com yeah. series. It's just amazing with Johnny Flynn. 
Um, he kind of he plays that perpetual cad. He's very charming. Um, he's very funny, and he's always a pleasure to watch, as he is in this. And he really suits this sort of character and this sort of series. I think. As with a lot of these sorts of shows, some of the clues they give us at the beginning are a little bit heavy-handed, which I have talked about before. Well, I don't. You see, I, the problem for me is I don't actually pick up on the clues. I mean, there's there's a guy in a funny hat. Oh yes, yes. Who, who keeps appearing? Now, is he important? He's terrifying. Is he? He's okay. absolutely terrifying. Right. Um, and actually, it was you know it's nice to hear Lucy Boynton because I loved the repartee between Fra- her character Frankie and Bobby Will Porter's character. I really love the spark between them. They talk really fast and in a kind of really witty way. She really made me laugh out loud. Her delivery of some of the the lines were great. Um, and he just seemed so wholesome and she was obviously so naughty and it just made a really nice pairing. So yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Why Didn't They Ask Evans is on BritBox, all three episodes available from the 14th of April. Is it cake? I think at one point in the last couple of weeks it was the number one Netflix show in the UK which frankly I think shames the nation. (laughs) Is it cake? is about what, Rihanna? Don't say cake. There's a task on Bake Off now, often, where they have to make something that doesn't look like a cake. But is, is in fact cake. made of cake. Yeah, so yeah. they've just put that on a much bigger platform now. And it's, you know, of course it's got popular because of social media and TikTok videos and all the rest of it, where you might make a pair of trainers that look like cake and then cut into it. And everyone's like... <gasps> It is amazing, and I'm not in any way knocking the incredible skill set of people who can make objects out of cake. Yeah. But ultimately, that's all this show is about. That in itself is quite fascinating, because this whole series could have just been boiled down to a TikTok video, or a YouTube video, or whatever, however you consume your short videos on social media, uh, which is how it got famous in the first place. So it feels just really, you know, of course, it got made into a reality TV show, um, and of course it didn't need to be and there are like celebrity judges I think Karamo from Queer Eye was on it at one point it's a really fun cool thing to watch the very moment that the knife goes into the cake but it doesn't need to be accompanied by screaming and a studio and an audience because you can just revel in the amazingness of somebody's skill just on a 30 second video well if you want to watch it it's Is It Cake it's on Netflix tell us what you think about that then is this utterly bonkers baking show exactly what you're after of an evening or first thing in the morning for all I know what you do in your private time is up to you or should the likes of Netflix really be focusing their attention somewhere else a podcast at radiotimes.com if you want to let us know what you think now a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Channel 5 drama Deadline which um, confused us both I think it's fair to say it was (laughs) filmed in and around Budapest was it Budapest in Hungary yeah and I was a bit confused because I thought I'd seen Hammersmith Bridge well there was a reason for that wasn't there Love Stephen, who's emailed in to say um, that not only has he been a subscriber since episode one, thank you so much, Stephen. Well done. Um, that he sent a, well, this is the first time we've had a picture sent in. And I love that it's of a bridge, and it's a bridge in Budapest, and it is the twin of the Hammersmith Bridge. It is the Szczenyi Chain Bridge in Budapest, which does look very similar to Hammersmith Bridge. Yeah, it does. Which, of course, has been shot to traffic for 150,000 years <laughs> while we await developments. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much. That was great, Stephen. Thank you. We've had an email from Cher in the US who says that she eventually gets to see the majority of programmes that we discuss. She lives in rural Illinois. She has a good-sized Amish community and being Amish isn't about living simply, although they do. It's about following their interpretation of the Bible 
and she doesn't see how they could make this into a reality show because we talked about a simpler, simpler life. life. Yeah. Amish are patriarchal, they don't drive but can be driven. At their school, the boys go on one side and the girls go on the other. They're mostly farmers or builders and they operate a store and on Saturday mornings they sell fresh baked bread. Jalapeno cheese is Cher's favourite, which is a really lovely insight actually into how Amish communities integrate yeah. with yeah. other communities that aren't okay. necessarily so religious. Yeah, thank you for that, Cher. I mean, I guess, I suppose... If it's if you're happy in that life, good then good luck to you. Who who are we to judge? Really interesting though. Cher, thank you very much. Podcast at radiotimes.com. Uh, particularly if genuinely you've enjoyed what I'm interested in this week is whether anyone's enjoyed uh, SAS who dares with SAS or cake. <laughs> or, or cake, yeah. Okay, quiz of the week time. Uh I think we've got a fanfare because uh yeah, here we go. I do admire the fact that the trumpeters turn up week after week just for that little bit. Then you see them (laughs) packing away their instrument and off they go. So dedicated. Back to the bus stop. In this quiz, Rihanna gives me some TV-based clues and I try to name the year. Away we go. Here we go. Your first clue. ITV announces ITV2, a new digital terrestrial channel aimed at younger audiences. Gosh, that went well, didn't it? Uh, Here's a clip where the new channel launched with a countdown from ITV presenters and celebs. And the last one you're going to hear is Billy Piper. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. It takes two and ITV2 is on the air. Was that really Billy Piper at the end of that? It didn't sound like Billy It sounded like a child. Well, perhaps she was very young. Well, maybe she was. I'm not going to tell you anymore. <laughs> the, <laughs> the second clue is Robot Wars. Oh my goodness, I loved Robot Wars. Did you? Yeah. So the first Robot Wars, the <laughs> the first Wars was broadcast for the first time in this year on BBC Two. The series was hosted by Jeremy Clarkson. The pit reporter was Philippa Forrester, and the commentary was provided by Jonathan Pierce. Here is a clip from the semi-finals of that year, and I'm sure you will all remember this nail-biting semi-final between robots Dreadnought and Wedgehog. Roboteers, stand by. Three, two, one. Dreadnought, the big slug against Wedgehog, the piece of cheese, and the Dreadnought boys that worried, they know they have to get this over and done with very early because the motor may not last. Can they get their forklift prongs working? Will the Wedgehog pickaxe, so-called, <laughs> come into play? Oh, the saw's gone again! Poor old Sergeant Bash has lost his saw blade! That's like a halo! This was unmissable TV, although I used to watch the, the Craig Charles years. Did you? Yeah. Okay. They the vintage years. They really were. I loved those. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I like the piece of cheese idea. I'm afraid this completely passed me by. You've so. never seen Robot Wars? No, I'm, Jane. I'm really struggling this week. Okay. Oh my goodness. Another okay. clue, please. SMTV Live with Ant, Deck and Cat Dealey makes its debut as ITV's Saturday morning children's programme. And here they are. Show with more hoots than a big mouth owl. Let's Dealey. Hello, I'm Kat Dealey. Welcome to SMTV Live, the kind of show that encourages this type of behaviour. Oh. 
And hello, I'm Adnan Paul, and welcome to SMTV Live, the show that is literally full of balloons. Ooh. Oh dear Ooh. me! That's, what a that's lame old nice. That's terrible. That that hardly constitutes the show being full uh -huh. of balloons, now, does Absolutely it, Adnan? Now, deck cut. You're right. It doesn't. But this does. Balloons. So the SMTV Live, which brought us chums, wonky donkey. They're all coming screaming back to you well, now. Hang on, this would help me. You were you still at school when you were watching this? I'm not telling you. Oh god. So if you need some more clues, we have the Big Breakfast co-presenter Denise Van Outen apologizes for taking an ashtray and tissue box holder from Buckingham Palace. Oh no, that I do remember. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. Google was founded in this year. That's a big one. Yeah. And finally, the film Titanic won 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Gosh, OK. OK, Winslow. What year is it, Jane? Leonardo DiCaprio. Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio. It was big in our house. It was like a first crush for one of my offspring. Oh, interesting. And then when she saw a recent photograph of Leonardo Ooh. DiCaprio. Not so good. Shudder. That's the ageing process. I said to her, that is the ageing process. You have to get used to it. It happens even to you. Well, it hasn't yet. It doesn't happen it to Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriends, but, you know, that's... Well, that is a very good and strong political point you've just made there. OK, I really am totally clueless. Uh, I do really like it when Jane flounders. I am floundering hopelessly, <laughs> helplessly, all of those, all of the above. <laughs> 2001. It is not. Do you want another guess? 2004? No, it's 1998. Oh, no. Oh, God, that was absolutely <laughs> rubbish. That was like one of my guesses. So if this has provoked TV memories of your own, let us know. What were you doing in 98? What were you watching? Were you, like me, on the sofa every Saturday morning with Ant and Deck and their wonky donkey? What was the wonky donkey? It was where you had to... It's kind of like, you know, the um, Obama Llama game where you had to... They gave you a clue and it rhymed... No. Okay. Uh, thank you very much indeed for being with us. <laughs> that was a terrible description, but if you if you know it, you know it. If you want a list of the programmes we've talked about today and where to find them, go to the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. I've just remembered one of the other wonky donkey ones. There was like a crocodile in a kilt and it was called Jock Croc. There you go. You can buy a subscription too. <laughs> Buysubscriptions.com forward slash Radio Times uh, if you want to get involved and make sure you never miss out on an edition of The Mag. Do follow to get episodes as soon as they come out and importantly, tell everybody you know about the pure magic of the Radio Times podcast. It means you can be one of those irritating people who always knows what's coming up on telly and what is worth watching. Wait, do you think that we're irritating? Yeah, I'll kind of go, oh, I've seen that. Don't you must be the chief irritant amongst your friends. Yes, well, you said it. Um, if you do spread the word, it'll help us to keep making this. And if that isn't enough, coming up now from the Radio Times podcast, it's a weekly bonus episode from our very own TV egghead, David Butcher. Every week, David is going to chat about 10 TV reviews in 10 minutes. Smart TV is the name into your podcast feed every Friday. The Radio Times podcast is produced by... Something else. For Immediate Media. Thank you. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>